I am curate here for a few weeks. Just don't pay attention to that. We are still carrying on with this, the long game. We are here, serving and sharing. And we have this beautiful story of Moses and the signs for him. God has a very good job in mind for him. God knows exactly the kind of serving that he wants Moses to do. But let's be honest. When it comes to drumming up volunteers, the church can sometimes have a bit of a problem. Okay, the church does need volunteers. Can we please close the doors now, lock them? No, don't, it's okay. We do, we have a problem. We have a problem trying to find people to serve on teams. But the problem is, sometimes it's the church that has the problem. Church, you cannot pounce on someone the moment they step through the door. It's not okay. At least, buy them a coffee first. Get to know their name before you say, we're looking for someone for crash. And do not think that the right person or the right candidate to serve on team are those who are breathing. Okay, we're not just looking for anyone. We're not looking for just stopgap measures. We shouldn't look to promote people beyond their capabilities just because they turn up. Just like with God and Moses, sometimes the right candidate can be a little hard to convince. And thirdly, don't be distracted by youth. Don't look at your young people and think, here's a good job for you. Here's something that will make us look good, having our young people do this job. It will look great. They'll have something to do. It doesn't work that way. They'll either end up hating church or they'll just see Sunday as another working day. So don't do it. Don't pounce on people straight away. Don't look for just any old person. Don't look at people who you think you should be doing something. Okay? These are the problems that we can sometimes have. So how do we go about finding the right people to serve on team? Those people that we want to share their gifts with us and we want to share with them. How do we know God is calling you to serve on team? I thought I would take some time this week and look to see how the pros do it. So I did what any good, any good uh, pastor, preacher does when trying to find out some information for a sermon. I googled it. So here's Google's own hiring process because it was the first one to come up on their feed. Google's hiring process. Number one, self-reflection. Two, job searching. Three, your resume. Four, apply online. Five, interviews. Six, decision and offer. Firstly, what is self-reflection? Surely self-reflection is, do I need this job? Check. Surely that should be all there is to it. It is actually quite in-depth. They do say, what is something you've learned that made everything that came after easier? 
something you learned that made everything that came after easier. Would Moses have thought through this? You know, something to do with sheep, I don't know. I mean, for me, I've learned it's easier to buy twice the amount of donuts I actually want because that way I'll save time having to go back to get more. But I'm not sure that's what Google's really looking for. Then the job search. Can I do the job? Does it pay enough? How desperate am I actually? Let's be honest with ourselves. We've all had jobs we've hated. Haven't we? I, I can count quite a few jobs I've absolutely detested. I once worked for a restaurant, and we had a staff pool to see who could sell the most Christmas pudding. This was in July. <laughs> Your resume. Now, this is a bit of a tricky one. Can I draw your attention, please, to the ninth commandment? You shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor. Note that at no point does it say you shall bear false witness against your own life. So there might be a bit of wiggle room here. No one expects a candidate to have experience of building the Eiffel Tower or having the ability to speak with animals, to lie and then wind up in a job way out of your comfort zone is, how shall I put it, problematic. Then, you can apply online if you think you meet all the criterias. I would like to try and apply to uh, Google via Telegram, just to see how, uh, how easy that might be. Telling them I don't use the internet and see if they respond personally. Maybe, maybe not. And then the interview, the fun part. A friend of mine once had an interview where he was asked to sing something. He chose girls just want to have fun. I don't know why. <laughs> In interviews, the key is to appear confident. Knowing deep down inside, you've probably already noted the eight places inside the building to go to the toilet and the 12 places you might be able to hide to watch YouTube, eat a snack, or perhaps just have a cry. It's good to get a feel for the interviewer to build rapport, look them in the eye, make sure you know that they know you'll get the job done. Even if you're not totally sure what the job might actually be, you listen out for the words lunch breaks and wages without saying those words in reality. And then the decision and offer. Now, dear friend, who actually, I have a dear friend who actually framed his rejection letter from McDonald's. That's a skill to get rejected from McDonald's. But let's be real here. If you get a rejection letter or a phone call, nine times out of 10, you're not listening to anything else. You just want to put the phone down and find that bottle of wine you put aside for that special occasion. Being rejected hurts. But just hold on and wait for the right time is coming. When you get that phone call and it is a yes, and you will think one of two things. One will be, too right, I knew I was the right person. I knew that I could be the only person that they were looking for. The other will be, they must be mad to think I could do this job. You may think, my goodness, they are so desperate. And we do. So let's bring this back to our morning passage. Because I'm fairly sure I've linked it in somewhere. The thing is, 
Moses is offered the job and then has the interview. It's a little bit like my last talk. It's flipped, turned upside down. Last time, we talked about how Zacchaeus' life has been turned upside down when Christ comes his way. God's kingdom is so different to ours that life can sometimes seem topsy-turvy. To be honest, I pray for the time when I go to a job interview in which it begins with the offer. But you kind of know there's something fishy about that. Either no one wants the job or they're really desperate. Is that what's going through Moses' mind? God must be so desperate if I'm the one he's coming to. Are you sure? Are you sure I'm the right one? What if I don't have the management skills? What if no one listens? Can you give me an example of the last time no one listened to you? Could you imagine, no, uh, can you imagine Moses asking God that? Oh, God, when was the last time anybody really listened to you? What's that? Noah's Ark. Okay, ignore that. Right, carry on. And the rapport that Moses has with God. He's trying everything he can to get out of it. Hardly any comfort to a good interviewer. Moses spouts his excuses why he can't do the job. No one's going to believe that you sent me. No one's going to believe that this is your message. No one's going to listen. I'm a terrible speaker. No one's going to believe me that you gave me this job. No one's going to look at me and think I'm the right candidate. No one's going to look at me and think I can hold up against it. What's in your hand? A staff. Isn't it crazy sometimes when God equips us with that thing that we already have? Because that's how God works. We just fail to recognize it. Shamgar kills 600 Philistines with an ox goad. I don't even know what an ox goad is. David kills Goliath with a simple sling. A young boy feeds 5,000 with a few loaves and fish. Look at your hands. These simple pathways of flesh and tendons. Do you not get how these can be tools of God? If only you would give them to him. The problem is we humans almost always regard our own skills and talents as less than those of our peers. We constantly devalue our abilities. It's a defense mechanism. We devalue ourselves because in valuing ourselves, we put trust in others that they will value us as highly as we deserve. And we don't always get that. God sees the value of Moses before Moses even has a chance to devalue himself. The job's already been offered and the door God has opened cannot be closed. We see the hand Moses puts into his cloak. It's interesting that God picks up on a human disease, a human infirmity. Sometimes we pick up human infirmities. I can't do something because my body can't do this. 
Let me be honest and be honest with yourselves. The majority of us have put on an Oscar-winning performance just to get out of work. We have. Monday morning comes around and the sniffle you had uh, in the restaurant on Saturday or at the footy on Sunday suddenly becomes a full-on plague. Yes, all of us will have bodies that will fail. One of the greatest, wisest youth workers I ever met was a short 50-year-old woman with severe scoliosis. She spoke with passion and worked furiously. When she spoke to young people, they listened. I spent time with urban saints at their HQ in Guildford, and I met with the oldest volunteer they had, an 80-year-old Benedictine called Brother Matthew. When asked about his age and his ability to do youth work, he simply answered that he wanted to enter the gates of glory breathlessly. One of our greatest mentors at college, Reverend Michael Green, a superb evangelist, even on his deathbed, had a cardboard box with his book in it, Jesus for Skeptics. A note next to it read, in the event of my death, please take one. We have to recognize that every breath we take is God-given. Every moment we're alive, God has ordained for us. And therefore, it's only right to give him a moment of that life back. God has given each of us a task. What task, you ask? We are told that when the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain that Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. We are looking for those disciples amongst us to become kingdom builders, to become kingdom citizens, to lead people to baptism, to teach and to heal, to strengthen one another in Christ Jesus, and to build his kingdom in whatever capacity and skill that you have. So the question is, will you? Just like Moses, you will almost certainly say to yourself, I don't think I'm up to the task. God can't use me. Okay, well, let's see who God uses. Moses was not well spoken, so God sent Aaron. Jonah ran from God. Jacob lied. Noah got drunk. David had an affair. Rahab was a prostitute. Solomon was poor in wisdom. John the Baptist was just plain poor. James and John were self-righteous. Paul got angry, but then so did Peter. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. So what's your excuse? <laughs> this is not a job interview. The church is not a press gang exercise. The only one who can call us into service is God. And he's been waiting for you. We sometimes think of God as perhaps maybe like a nagging spouse. Are you going to pick up your clothes off the floor? Are you going to tidy that mess up? No. More like a spouse who waits at the door, waiting for us to get home. 
just waiting for us to come back to spend time with us. What time do you call this? God's been waiting patiently for you. What time do you call this? Your excuses are just those. Excuses. Be honest with the real reason you aren't making time for God. Church, what time do you call this? That you push into service just anyone, just to fill posts. Church, what time do you call this? That you offer God the easiest service that we can give rather than pushing ourselves to offer the very best. What time do you call this? The hour draws late. You do not know when the thief shall come into your house. That you leave your oil and wick unattended. That you bury your talent in the sand. So what time do you call this? Get up. Serve. Share the gifts God has given each of you. And do it with your whole heart. Because he calls you. Not because you must, but because you may. He just wants to spend time with you. That's the great thing about it. I'm going to ask you now, if you are a leader of a group, whether it be beloved, potters, whatever it is, whether it be a midweek communion, whether it be whatever it is, I'd like you to stand up now. a leader of any group around them I would like you just to put your hand out towards them and we're going to pray for them almighty God we thank you for our leaders we pray that you equip them we pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them we thank you for them and Lord we pray that you would help us to support them help us to love them Help us to see what they do. If you volunteer for any group, please, I'd invite you to stand with those leaders as well. If you volunteer, leaders, please stay stood up. If you volunteer, if you help out, even if it's making a cup of coffee, whoever you are, whatever it is you do, can I please invite you to stand? Almighty God, we thank you for those people who give their time. Time is the most precious commodity that we have. So Lord, we thank you for those people who volunteer. Lord, we pray for them, encourage them, lift them up, even during the hardest moments of whether it's taking out the bins, whether it's uh, cleaning out the bottom of the coffee, coffee pots, whatever it is, Lord, we thank you for them and we thank you that we can say thank you this morning. So, Lord, we lift them up. Now I invite anybody who's not standing, if you can stand, please stand up now because we need to pray for you guys as well. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you that it is not a single person, but we're a church of believers, that we come together as a family. So, Lord, 
equip each and every one of us. And bless us, we pray, that we may build up the next generation of disciples and leaders so that we may share ourselves and serve you in truth and love and joy. In Jesus' name, amen.